A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So 24 hours on and things are just a little calmer. We have recovered. Catherine Whitaker and myself, David Law, are sitting in exactly the same place as we were yesterday after the raw emotional press conference of Andy Murray. But I don't know about you, Catherine, I'm feeling a little bit more relaxed now. How about you? After your two and a half hours sleep. Yeah, that's really refreshed me. I feel great now. Um, But yes, it's it's been quite a 24 hours with reaction, obviously, to Andy Murray's announcement that he's planning to retire uh, after Wimbledon, if not before. And... The, the tennis world has gone berserk. Catherine obviously detailed some of uh, the reaction from Juan Martin Del Potro in yesterday's show. But uh, given we are the tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph, I think it is high time that we speak to The Telegraph's tennis correspondent, Mr. Simon Briggs. Hello, Simon. Hi, welcome to Australia. Thank you. You've had a busy, uh, a busy few <laughs> days, I think it's fair to say, particularly yesterday. Yeah, that was right. Um, the only good thing from the point of view of a working hack was that he announced it at 11am so I did get to bed at 2am the following morning which wasn't that bad I, mean, I have many later nights than that out here if it had happened at let's say 6 I don't think in the evening I mean I don't think any of us would have slept at all that was occurring to me I say from a sort of really potentially boring uh, procedural journalistic point of view it was al- it almost felt sort of witnessing you all the, the writers yesterday it almost felt a little bit old school in that okay yes online stories had to be filed immediately well we, we hit the we hit the final edition did you hit almost the, everyone hit the final right. edition um, from the presser that was at 11 a.m that's midnight in the uk so most papers closed their production at maybe 1 a.m so there was time to get, get in the final edition but then there was kind of suspended animation yeah then, where then, you then all everyone's had time. in bed uh, for six or eight hours or whatever but you've got um most papers now would have somebody in New York or in Sydney who has a capacity to put online stuff up. So I did um, write a comment piece, which I filed sort of 5 a.m. 5 or something, um, British time, and there was uh, a guy in Sydney who put it up for me. All right, so forget everything I just said. No suspended animation <laughs> but, <laughs> whatsoever. But just it's con- not really hot, hot continuous, ink Continuous animation. But you did, you did then get your half an hour, didn't you, with Andy Murray straight after yeah. that, that press conference? And well, there, there was actually a useful gap that we could file because he went to do broadcasting. Yeah. 
It's yeah. actually perfect. Uh, so you're learning about the mechanics here on the tennis <laughs> podcast of how it all works behind the scenes with Simon's writing for the Telegraph, and and what came out of it was a, a very detailed, emotive again, but more detailed account from Andy Murray of of exactly why he's taken the decision he has. Uh, just just give us an insight. I and mean, Catherine was explaining to us uh, yesterday what, what his body language was like in her interview. What was he like with you guys? Very relaxed. I mean, we haven't actually had a sit-down with him. Um, I don't think we've had one since 2017 in that way mm. because we had the infamous Brisbane outing. Um, a year, this was a year ago when you all came out to Brisbane to, to talk about and cover Andy Murray's comeback, didn't you? And then that comeback didn't happen, and then he, all, he gave you all the slip. That's right, and then he, he wasn't happy with our pieces. And no one feels bitter about it at all. No, we're all right um, about that. And so we didn't, we didn't uh, speak to him for a while, but... Um, I mean, we spoke to him. We just, we just yeah. didn't have kind of like there's much time. Do, does it feel to you, to, it feels to me 24 hours on, not, I certainly don't feel as though we, we, we got it wrong in any way yesterday in the podcast. I still feel as I felt then on the whole about, about what he said. But having heard Andy Roddick this morning on, on Five Live, we had him on our show, talking about how he feels that Andy Murray just needs to give this some time now, not make a, a decision about his career, still keep alive this chance of getting to Wimbledon uh, in, in June, and, and that he feels that that is doable. Um, and, it just, it, and talking to you guys since then as well, Simon, it feels to me as though maybe we're not as cast iron sure that Andy Murray's going to retire tomorrow. But how, how realistically to us who who follow the tennis tour day and I mean how relevant is it it's still you know Andy Murray as a competitor it's over that's what he told us yesterday what we're talking about is whether he'll be at Wimbledon for, yes. for some kind of ceremonial no, of and course. I think he, he will have that in some capacity whether it's doubles I, with Jamie or Wimbledon lay on like a charity exhibition or something or whether he gets a wild card into the main draw I, I felt, you know one of those things may well happen but for me I, I, I'm sure it's obviously of significance to Andy but for me I don't find it that that's that's an addendum to the story well it is but but i thought this was it i thought there's no way he's going to play it again beyond monday but then if you read the quotes he's definitely left some wriggle room Mm. particularly i would say in the time that he spent with us even more so than in the emotional on tv bit that probably most people have seen now the bit with us he repeatedly said uh, that people who have resurfacing so this is the next procedure I don't know if you've gone into this in detail what he's going to have did he speak about this much yesterday he's going to have um, as I understand it a metal cap placed on the top of his femoral head and a metal Could you not go into too much detail because this is a procedure that I've been told that I require is it? do you? yeah so what does it feel like? I mean not, ur- not urgently because you know I'm not required to play any Grand Slam tournaments imminently so, so, what exactly the same? possibly I mean no, but is 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 the injury the same? I don't know because he's not sp- exactly. Has he given us a medical term for his diagnosis? No, he hasn't. No. The Telegraph's had a good go at it. Basically, the socket doesn't fit right into the the femoral head doesn't fit right in the in the socket. Ew. Anyway, sounds horrible. Anyway, if we could sort of 
limit the gruesome okay. words. What's it feel like? This well, look, I, I mean, I'm, re- uh, I'm fine. It's just, it's a, it's, it's something that's not, it's not getting any better. You know, it's a base level of, of, of wrong. Mm. I'm not in agony the way he is, but I've never pushed, pushed my body to, even once to to what he pushes his body to every single day. So, right. um, but it's, it's, it, it, constant awareness that it's, it's just not right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, folks, we are going to talk about other tennis players today here on the tennis podcast. But you know, it it does still feel like the main story in town. the The reaction of everybody, Simon, has been quite quite extraordinary, hasn't it? it really, the he's the first one, isn't he, of the of the of the group that the era that is going to call it a day. Why are you smiling? I'm waiting for, for like you know, you know the Bateman cartoon thing, the man who, uh, and I'm waiting for the man who said something mean about Andy Murray on social media, you know, because uh, it's like uh, the entire universe has just deluged him with so much love. And I don't know, it's, Is it it's really nice to see. No, I think, I think he deserves it. Okay. I, I mean... Uh, I'm having a, having a go at it myself. I think the only reason I'm whinging is because I'm trying to trying to do my own version for the Sunday Telegraph now, and I'm like, you've said it all. <laughs> What's left? Is that a, is that a problem for you all? Because because this story is going to keep on running. It's so big. It's not going to go anywhere. I'm sure there'll be developments and comments that'll freshen it up. But does there does there ever reach a stage where you just like there are there are no words that haven't yet been said and yet my editor is asking for a thousand of them well i mean I, i'm sure i've said a hundred times on on the, on the podcast you know uh andy murray correspondence is a, is a line that i've used about myself a lot as opposed to tennis correspondent um you know that's obviously i'm about to be made redundant from that post one way or another um but the point is that if you're going to be writing about one person for the majority of your working life thank god it's someone as interesting as him i mean there's a few other tennis players in in british history who've done very well i'm not going to name any names here but i think we would have struggled to uh mine you know like i would have i've been doing this for eight years i would have struggled to mine eight years worth of content from them but he is somebody who is endlessly fascinating yeah, well, he certainly is that. Um, hey, can I inject an extra bit of life into the story? Sure. I spoke to Nick Kyrgios earlier, oh, yeah. uh, um, as as we all did, and he had plenty to say in the press conference, but he he, uh, he did a couple of questions for me specifically on Andy Murray. And among other really quite eloquent words of tribute, he, and, and interestingly, he in particular picked up on the, his support for the WTA and he said, you know, I'd like to sort of pick up the baton from him on that, you know, something I, I feel strongly about as well, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, he, I, after a tip-off from David, um, I had always planned to ask him the coaching question, but he led me there. He, okay. at the end of his second answer, he, I can't remember exactly how, but he had this twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face um, and uh, he sort of said, I'm sure I'll be back in some sort of capacity with quite a knowing look on his face. And I was like, right, well, you've led me right there, Nick. He's, Andy said he might want to coach one day. You are without a coach, position vacant. Hmm. What do you think? And he said, I'm not sure he's ready for me yet, but I'm well <laughs> up for it when he is. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be just belting, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just? <laughs> and I could go back to my old job again. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you, let's just let's just play fantasy tennis. 
what would it be like if Andy Murray coached Nick Kyrgios? Could he do it? Could he, could he be the difference maker? I think in the contract, it would have to say, I'm taking this job on the basis that you submit to these standards of professionalism. <laughs> right. And I think Nick's aware that that is something that's lacking in the way he approaches his tennis. He was hilarious But, he's, uh, but I also story. think he's kind of waiting for somebody to, to unlock him. So, I mean, it, when Lendl came in, he got Andy to do something that Andy knew he needed to do but didn't want to do, which is to stop counter-punching and be the boss. So Andy would then almost be fulfilling a slightly comparable role of getting curious to do something he knows he needs to do but doesn't want to do, which is go to the gym. Yeah, take him to Miami and do all that. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Get Nick Kyrgios on the Versa climber. Kyrgios, we, we did say a few couple of weeks ago that we were not going to talk yeah, about no. Nick Kyrgios I know. until and he started justifying it. And then after all of this, it. after that buoyant Nick Kyrgios press conference and the wonderful quotes he gave about Andy Murray and this little feature he did for Eurosport Digital about he had to, they asked him to to give three tips on how to do a tweener. His first tip. Uh, was believe in yourself and I'm thinking Nick there is, there is no level of belief that could make me perform a tweener the second one was something Tennessee and the third one was the strut away after you've performed the tweener he said that's as big a part of it as anything else I'm thinking great Nick Kyrgios is in football like somehow then I'm looking at the draw sheet doing in my predictions and my hand is hovering over the Nick Kyrgios in the quarterfinals Line. I'm thinking I've, it's thing. happened again. We, He's we reeled down, me in. We sat down on the front row of the press conference for the Nick Kyrgios uh, interview, and and I was in. A, I was just. I was done with him. I've had him. I've had enough. <laughs> and within te- within four minutes, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> I can't help it. It's uh, anyway. Uh, Andy Murray has been scheduled to play Roberto Bautista on the Melbourne Arena, which is the old Hisense Arena, which is the old Vodafone Arena, for those that you go way back. Basically, it's the court number th- three at this tournament these days, isn't it? Behind the Margaret Court Arena, officially anyway, and the Rod Laver Arena. It's, it's a ground pass, effectively. You can just come and get your seat as you, as you please. What do you think about that scheduling? Um, we were talking about it on the podcast yesterday and I am quite surprised that Andy Murray is not on the Rod Laver yeah, arena but I think and I can't prove it but I think they've asked him mm. I know they certainly have asked him but I think, I, think, I think that's what he wanted but yeah Matt and I were talking about this earlier and, and it seemed like such a win 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 for the tournament to, to put Andy Murray on first on the Rod Laver Arena. It's a great opportunity to head off all the potential criticism of always putting Federer on the night session on RLA. You know, perfect reason not to do so. You've got it out of the way early on. You can always say, look, he didn't get every night session on, on Rod Laver Arena. It just seemed like, you know, it all would work out. And that leads me to think that Simon is probably right. Yeah, um, I think you're probably right. Yeah, you should assume that anyway. Uh, no. um, Roger is... Uh, is he playing night session? I haven't even looked. He, he is, yes. So they didn't have the kind of reflexive, like, we'll stick him on yeah. <laughs> yeah. at 11am just, just to kind of get out of the criticism. Um, and it's Nadal that's day session. Yeah, he's in the afternoon. Yeah. And it's going to be how, how hot? 35 degrees. I mean, Nadal won't care, probably, will he? I mean, you'll probably think, oh, this is great. Um, but that's hot. He's got, he's got a new serve. He has got a new serve. You asked him about yeah. his new serve in the press conference. Didn't he said, you? like, you, you've got to keep fresh. What was the phrase? Yeah, he said, you've, you've, got, got, to, you've got, got to feel 
the Didn't he say you've got to feel alive? Got to feel alive, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a very almost in higher comment. and lower vibrations territory. <laughs> yeah. Um, did he talk about telekinesis at all? No, that's no. Novak, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, but he but, did. You know, it obviously works. In offering his reasons, I mean, we didn't get a chance to do a follow-up question because I really wanted to know, ultimately, have you done it to take pressure off a part of your body? Of course or is he it, has. Or is it just tactical? Now, my understanding uh, is, is from, from Matt is that he, he has done this for a tactical reason to to try to shorten points which by you know relation means well, that he is trying but, to but take do you just mean tactical body. reason to serve better well yeah but, <laughs> but not to have to not to have to go into such long rallies and therefore you do take pressure off your body don't you yeah but I mean, you just want to serve as well as you can, right? Well, yeah, you do. Give it a better so. serve, Simon. Well, we don't know. I mean, that, we, that, is, that surely is an unknowable question. Neither are we qualified to know. <laughs> um, but we I mean, as say. he says, he hasn't even tried it in a match yet. I mean, it's quite baffling, isn't it? Here we've got the world's uh, number two player. He's coming into the Australian Open with a serve he hasn't played with in a match. Hmm. I mean, I just it, don't think you Rafa. do that. I just don't think you do that unless, unless you need to. Yeah. We should mm. ask that follow-up now. Oh. But the thing was, it was actually really hard to get questions in because I wanted to get back in and ask my political questions, which I asked everybody, right. and I couldn't get back in. I was waving at Kirsten, going bonk. <laughs> it's like, I want another one. That's she, what you would do. And she wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't give me another one. And, and it, because he was answering everything very slowly and at enormous length, there only were about six or seven questions. Uh, then there was four minutes of Spanish, and then it was James Duckworth. <laughs> I'm like, couldn't you like give me five minutes more, Rafa? I'm sorry, that's I, I very rude, James Duckworth. Is he retiring or something? James Duckworth. I don't think so. Why was he no. in the main room? Uh, James, anyway. he's playing James, somebody James, notable. You've, you've lost oh, okay. to a guy that is. Uh, he's is, playing Nadal. So there we are. Is he playing Nadal? But that's come fine. on, we could have five minutes more, Rafa, and, and the best world to James Duckworth, top top chap, um, but. <laughs> He's, you know, a, he's a home hope. He's not really, is he? <laughs> there we are. Uh, you, well, let's get on to it. You talked about the politics. What, what did you want to ask Rafael Nadal that you tennis news. didn't get a chance to, pl- to ask? What did well, you uh, there is a debate going on. The player council are meeting tonight to decide whether they are going to support Chris Commode's uh, renewal, his contract renewal as president and chief executive of the ATP. And I wanted to ask Rafa what his view was on whether uh, Chris should be renewed. Right. I mean, look, I'll get this out on the table. People probably know. I, I know Chris Commode pretty well from his time at, at Queen's as the tournament director. He's somebody I have a lot of time for. Um, why would anybody not want him to be leading the ATP? Well, there's a pretty strong faction in the player council that want a new CEO. And there was a rather extraordinary letter, which um, I published some of on the Telegraph website today. Couldn't get anything in the paper because <laughs> it's a bit busy. It's Andy Murray-centric. Um, you know, in fact, we had a pullout. I didn't realise we had a pullout until uh, Clipshare, which is a little programme that we can use to read all the papers back home, came up at 4am. I was like, oh, what? We had a... OK. Anyway. More getting, newspaper I, mechanics. I, I'm getting distra- words distracted. Oh, no, I mean, I was two pieces and Paul Hayward wrote the first spread and uh, we had a piece from Ollie Brown. Go and have a read, folks. It's all great stuff. Anyway, um, how did I get onto that? 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, politics. It, yes, you couldn't get your politics couldn't, I couldn't get my politics space into the paper. It's only online. But anyway, Vasic Pospisil sent a letter to the players ranked 50 to 100. The reason why he did that is because he's the representative for players ranked 50 to 100. And he said some extraordinary things, like um, he was claiming that because there's 50% of the profits in the NFL go back to the players, that should happen in tennis. The Grand Slam should be paying that much money to the players he was also saying that uh, the ATP tour is biased in the interest of the tournament and he said that the uh, books needed to be opened so that they could see the money that the tournaments are making and that they can't be swindled and to my understanding Chris actually did get a deal through very recently, in which the Masters tournaments are going to open their books and will henceforth be doing a profit share type payment rather than having to just pull a number out of the air. So I don't quite see the... It was a really passionate letter, wasn't it? It it, it was really well articulated and I think there are some really strong arguments in there. But I think what he's arguing for is a fundamental change of structure of the ATP. He's asking for a players' union, yeah. really, isn't it? Which, Which is has what Novak um, suggested here a year ago, and Novak is the chairman of the player council. So these guys are clearly have a fundamental philosophical opposition to the way the tour is set up. Now, um, it's definitely true that the ATP is a very peculiar body. It's 50% tournament, 50% players, so two groups who naturally are tugging in totally opposite directions with the president as the seventh man on a s- seventh man board so three tournament representatives three player representatives and he's trying to sort of guide the whole ship when you've got an internal uh, clash down the middle but it's a big deal to try a- and totally rip up an organisation which is not always perfect but at the same time but that's it exists that is what they're arguing for really they're they're arguing for it to be for it it, i mean there is a fundamental conflict of interest at its heart and the by by definition of the structure the the chief executive's role is to navigate the political minefield of that conflict of interest And, and, And and i think by and large he's actually done an extraordinarily good job of doing that because my perception is that he's always been viewed as quite a favor of player favorable right, CEO, player and it friendly seems CEO. player friendly. So, yeah. it, and it now seems the bizarre like situation is that the tournaments are the ones who are really upset because it looks like that this month, when the vote is going to be taken on the ATP board level, it's not really singing off the, into the microphone, is it? This time? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are people out there that love the admin sections. Oh yeah, so. oh, I just know that I'm the political correspondent. Yes. Um, that's my, my new job title now that I can't be the Andy Murray correspondent. Um, so the board are going to have to vote on whether to renew Chris in the tournaments. So they're very unhappy at the prospect that Chris might be ousted by the players. And let's say that you feel that the ATP is, is um, constituted in a, in a non-viable way. Does that still mean that you sack the CEO for, for that reason? I mean, there's a lot more to it. There's personalities. There's uh, the extra factor of... Justin Gimmelstob being the board member um, who seems to be the most influential who has travelled on the ATP board. As you reported, who has travelled to Melbourne for this meeting. He flew in from Los Angeles this morning. 
you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. And he has been in the news, most specifically in your newspapers uh, columns. In fact, I think he was on the front page of the sports section last month. Uh, mm. Simon, we haven't spoken about Justin Gimmelstop. You've been reporting a lot about him recently. Explain why he is relevant in the in the tennis world for for people maybe that don't follow it that well. Well, for one reason, I mean he he would be possibly the leading candidate to replace Chris if Chris was ousted, if he wasn't facing a charge of aggravated assault, which is going to be heard in a Los Angeles court on January the 31st. So that's an influential guy. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people would have felt that Telegraph ran a lot about somebody who's not massively famous in the UK, and I can understand that point of view, but I think what's happening here now with uh, Novak's going to be asked about the whole ATP political situation tomorrow. Roger will be asked about it. It's going to become you know, a reasonably high-profile talking point. I think it demonstrates that he is a big player 
and the fact that he has been charged with a felony is significant. Uh, are you surprised that he's here, given that that is hanging over his head at the moment, and that he's here in his board capacity? I'm surprised that he has uh, insisted on remaining an active board member when he is um, awaiting trial. I don't think it's a good look. Uh, I don't think it necessarily encourages people around the sport to think well of him. Um, and I don't think it reflects particularly well on the sport either that the board and the player council have both uh, consented to him going ahead on that front. Mm. It's a difficult one, isn't it, for us to talk about because it's a it's a pending trial. Um, but he is he is a guy that wields an awful lot of control, an awful lot of hard power in terms of position on the board board and soft power in tennis. Um, He's a also lot a of commentator, a lot isn't he? For commentator, the coach of John Isner. He he, I believe. He's more involved with the tennis channel than that, isn't he? I believe he's on the board of that or involved some way. Um, you know, his his colleague at the tennis channel, David Eggers, he's on the the ATP board as well. You he's know, a, he's actually taken leave of absence from his role uh, at ten- tennis channel for now. He stepped down mm. there temporarily while these charges are heard. But I mean, he wields an awful lot of intru- influence in an awful lot of corners of the sport. You know, beyond the the headline um, segments and um, you know it's not a good look is even even without the outcome of that trial the current situation is uncomfortable mm. so big political shenanigans uh, due to take place tonight so we will bring you up to date what, what do you, when do you think we'll hear something about those Simon we'll, we'll see if we can well, get word to you on the tennis podcast it's quite complicated inevitably there's a sort of two-stage process with the player council coming to their conclusions um or at least having their discussion tonight and then the actual vote will be done by the board so the three player representatives and the three tournament representatives at some point in january Mm. so uh, there's, there's a fair way to go on this and uh, I'm going to be boring people silly with it for Excellent. weeks to come and we, we look forward to being bored silly I, I mean I'm enjoying it anyway um, so Simon you are going to go off and write and do your, your, your other work um, we're not going to have you on tomorrow so, so what have you got to tell us about what's going to happen this fortnight we, have we've you got, done your predictions we've got, well he's going he's to do that uh, we, we, yeah. yeah I'm rubbish at predictions well, we, we, everyone knows that too bad my, my excuse is that I'm usually buried under thousands of words yes that's thousands true thousands of words about tennis that should inform, <laughs> your, inform about, your predictions it's usually not about forehands and backhands if, if I'm doing my job well enough it's going to be a Brit fest on uh, Monday. Um, we've got Kyle Edmund playing f- uh, in the afternoon on the, mar- on the, the new Melbourne Arena, as it's called, um, followed by Andy Murray. And there's Harriet Dart, his opening play on Rod Lave Arena against Maria Sharapova. It's all happening. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, we've got eight Britons. I can tell you eight Britons are the Australian Open for the first year since 1988. Goodness. How many of them will we have on Thursday? It does look a little that way. But, I mean, Cameron Norrie's coming in in form. Um, Dan Evans, so pleased to see him qualify. And how fit does he look? Yeah, how he motivated does, does he seem? How brilliant is he to watch? 
love it. You know, it's been a total highlight. I actually wasted time I should have been spending writing by watching the the last set and a half, I think it was, of the match he played against Rodinov. Um, and that was seriously good tennis. I mean, actually, Rodinov, to me, looks like he could be a pretty good player. He's mm. 19, 200 in the world. Anyway, um, yeah, really excited about Evo's comeback. And then we've got Katie Bolter. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Kyle Edmund, who has a horrible first round draw, as you mentioned. Thomas Burdick. Oh. Before, directly before Andy Murray yeah. on uh, the Melbourne Arena. It's going to be an interesting afternoon. We w- we're going to come back with another tennis podcast tomorrow because we realise we haven't dissected the draw for you yet, which we are going to do. We are also going to have with us grad matt he's here folks and he is ready to rumble here on the tennis podcast <laughs> we, we, we can't wait i am a coiled spring waiting to unleash our kickstarter backed uh, grad matt who, who is here it's all thanks to you uh, folks because uh, you backed us to the hilt and uh, we we haven't finished yet i should add still a couple of days to go in our kickstarter so you can still introduce the show you can still enter our predictions competition take on Catherine and myself and grad matt and simon briggs if we can twist his arm and many many more um you can get it your name on our backers page and it does all help because uh, we're trying to make this show as good as we possibly can produce as many of them as we can and and we hope you you enjoy that process so a couple of days left on our kickstarter We've been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio the Dog. Check out his Instagram page. My goodness. Catherine's face is just lit up at the mere thought of uh, Rio the Dog. Uh, Simon, lovely to have you with us. Hope we speak to you again later in the week. Hope so. Yeah, me too. Uh, Grad Matt's going to be back tomorrow. Catherine, can you wait? She's so excited. I'm excited, are you? Bet. I mean, he is sat next to me at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not it's... letting him on today. Sorry, folks, you're going to have to wait another day. He's got jet lag. Grad Matt will be with you tomorrow on the Tennis Podcast, and we will be do- da- we, we will be daily throughout the fortnight. I can't even get my Already words out. Daily. I'm that excited. So we'll speak to you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.